What's up, Julia? You ready to get weird? Always. For you, my dollar darling, always. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if I was going to say dollar darling, so it got weird. Darling. <laughs> Dollaring. Uh, so today we're talking about season two, episode 10, No Weddings and a Funeral. This was a sad episode. <laughs> I'm kind of bummed out. Um, I thought this was a good... Epi- yes and no like this this episode is very almost bittersweet because like there are certain things about it that i don't i really truly don't care for um and there's certain things about it that i absolutely adore yeah does that make sense no it does for me it was uh just really heavy we did a lot of heavy things we got a lot in this episode it's it's it deals with a lot of stuff. It it does cut it with levity levity in certain in certain scenarios, but I will admit it does not um fully, for me at least, kind of um like come to a satisfying conclusion because there's certain threads that are kind of left dangling that I don't don't really care for. Mm, yes, and I think they're probably leaving some of those threads. They're they're kind of fucking with us a little bit in this episode. A little <laughs> like bit, the- but given given how things end. Yeah. Uh and the season is in general, I don't really I don't like it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um I think for me this was probably my favorite episode. It's like one or two for season 2. I think it was episode 8 for me was my favorite. Yeah, Man City. Yeah. I think for me it was either this one or probably Rainbow. Alrighty, So let's jump right on in. The one thing before we start, the only thing this episode, I think the thing that would have made this episode a touch more perfect, like per- actually perfect, um, or at least very close to it, uh, would be more Higgins. Yes. Which Rainbow did have. <laughs> yes, that's true. We didn't have enough Higgins, although we got- We didn't have enough. We got, and it was per. and again, Higgins may be the perfect man. This is what I'm realizing yes. as we discuss this Absolutely. show. Higgins may, in fact, be the perfect man. I concur with that. Ditto. Yeah. Um, Leslie Higgins. Yeah, he's crushing it. He's a feminine <laughs> junior. He's crushing it. So the first thing that we see in this episode, like the first few minutes, I'm like, ooh, girl, like over and over and over. That was my reaction. <laughs> ooh, girl. And um, <laughs> this episode starts out with a freaky sneak between <laughs> Sam and Rebecca, of course. Mm-hmm. And even before we see anything, the opening credit credits like give away what's going on. And they start out with color me bads. I want to sex you up. <laughs> now all the Gen Xers and, and the older millennials like us know about this one. If you don't, and you were born in like the '90s or the 2000s or some shit, like look that song up. It's awesome and the video. <laughs> it's yeah, disgusting, <laughs> freaky, sneaky. Okay, so Sam and Rebecca are being all sexy around her house, and they're talking about their relationship and what to do about it. And they're disagreeing about the secrecy. And yes. I do have one note about this bedroom scene because yeah. it is legitimately adorable. The fact that she has on about 18 pounds of mascara ruined it slightly for me. Oh, well, maybe they had gone out the night before. I've definitely woken up with like mascara pillows, you know what I mean? <laughs> I hate that. I've done it. I did it yesterday because I was out at a child's birthday party yesterday oh. <laughs> and I couldn't get it all off before I went to bed. Apparently, that's where you turn up now. Well, not now, but. F- for always, really, because that happened to me. Is that a child's birthday party? So yeah, because generally, generally, it was at a bar with an open tab. 
No way. Uh, okay, I was joking. I'm not. But... No shit. No shit. Uh, so, right. They're disagreeing about whether to keep things a secret or to tell people. Rebecca likes being a sneaky link. She finds it exciting, she says. Yeah, I, I get the kind of the impression this is kind of her first, like, secret one, like, like secret rendezvous. So I think maybe she's enjoying keeping it secret because mm-hmm. it is fun. I can see it's fun. I mean, but I can see Sam's point of view as well here. Yeah, Sam wants to come out with it and be out with it because it's stressing him out, which I, I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we know how Sam is. Like, he's too sweet to like he's, keep he's secrets. Too sweet. He's too sweet for his own good, to be honest. Yeah. So, I've been, this is the moment that I've been talking about that like convinced me about Sam and Rebecca uh, and to become a Sam Rebecca uh, shipper. So, mm-hmm. and, and this is what it was. Okay, purely shallow. They are fucking hot together. They are very hot together. <laughs> They like, really are. It is only really based on that. Like <laughs> they're very, very hot. To- I would have thought it would have been the the moment later in the closet because that really actually that's one of the reasons why I don't. I still have my core issues with it. Um. Uh. But uh. Yeah. Like the moment later in the closet really does sell it for me. Yes, that one is my second favorite Sam and Rebecca moment because it gives me hope. But um. It didn't, it didn't like work on my mind to like sway me one way or the other because I was already swayed from the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, yeah, that's what gets me on board. I don't want to deny two people hotness. You know what I mean? Like, guys, I mean, get it together. You're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not, they are hot. She also pulls off that clearly bleached platinum blonde look that's, quite frankly, it is impressive. Yeah, she looks really good like that. She she really really does like it's, it's not easy to do either. It's not it's well like so the key is is that her dye job is excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's whoever, she looks like she conditions as well because it's like it looks like soft well, and like yes, yeah, so it still looks soft and shiny. The ninety eight percent of the time when you get your hair bleached like that, it goes brittle. Yep, and it doesn't matter like even with what's their faces. The Targaryens. No, the tar- <laughs> well, that's because they have bad wigs. We don't. I don't want to talk about the Targaryens and their bad fucking wigs. It drives me insane. Everyone on that show has bad wigs. Every single goddamn one of them. Even when it's not the blonde hair, it's a bad fucking wig. Like when Sansa in later seasons was wearing a red wig, I'm like, what? Like one, okay, fine. But like two, why? bad fucking wig this wig is terrible (laughs) terrible wig because game of thrones is secretly produced by tyler perry didn't you know (laughs) no the costumes are too nice (laughs) Uh, well it might be true too you mentioned something bad wigs oh sorry yeah we're talking about rebecca's hair okay (laughs) so another thing that i noticed about her hair was that Mm -hmm. once we see them in the kitchen her hair is wet so in my imagination they had like a little shower scene you know what i mean yeah. Little shower romp. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I like her bra. It looks deeply uncomfortable. It looks good. Like, I love the whole, like, little, it's, it was very 90s, like, bra with, like, the, like, baggy bottoms. That, like, yeah. it was a good look. Don't get me wrong. And the bra fit, which is something that drives me absolutely nuts about a lot of television shows, is is that, like, or, like, even bra ads, is that oftentimes to, like, make it look like your boobs are, like, squooshed a bit more or, like, up a bit more they will clearly put you in a bra that is too small or put the actress in a bra or model that is too small so it makes them look like and i'm like no yeah i noticed that too 
yeah, like her bra actually fit. It's just that lace bras like that are genuinely uncomfortable. I love a lace bra. To me, they are comfortable because they're like stretchy a lot of times. Anyway, <laughs> I guess I don't know. Maybe it's a different. I uh, gonna be real honest. Uh, never recovered from pandemic times and wear mostly sports bras for like my mm. entire life. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the life. It is. I found these ones that I called them my old lady bras that are like half sports bra, half real bra, mm-hmm. kind of. And they're glorious. And when I take off my top, do I look like I'm 97 years old and geriatric? <laughs> yes. However, <laughs> they're, they're really comfortable for us. It does sound comfortable. It's it's great. <laughs> so <laughs> Sorry. I'm like three lines into my notes. <laughs> and I have like two and a half pages. Or like even more pages. <laughs> Me too. Oh, so yeah. Other than the fact that they were hot in these scenes, it was like seeing them in these intimate moments with each other and just like the great chemistry they had and vibe off they of do. each other. Mm, I just loved it. It's very sweet. Anyway, they 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 end up in her kitchen, as we talked about, looking freshly towel dried. And her mom pops up, as okay. Rebecca's mom is wont to do. What is this? Do people do this? Is this a thing that people do? Just show the fuck up? Because to be honest, I would murder someone Mm. that just showed up in my like in in my house like did not did not announce that they were coming and just showed up because like i read about this happening online and i see it in television shows and to be honest if someone did that to me in real life i i don't know what i would do kill them (laughs) they killed them i think murder um that's the way to get them out of your house i mean or make them stay forever six one half dozen of the other Uh, yeah um you know, you could bury them in the walls if you didn't want there to be a body. Yeah. But um, like, don't open the doors or murder them and bury them in the wall. Sure. I mean, <laughs> yes. But I think that um, moms do this. I think normal people call before and moms and dads. Because <laughs> I've had my dad do that to me. Pop up like, hey, what's up? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I think it's a mom thing. It's definitely a Rebecca's mom thing. Yeah, I could see like... The only time it's vaguely acceptable, vaguely acceptable, is if your mom does it. Even then, I'd still be fear if my mom did it more than like once or twice. Yeah, I, I mean, I live in a different state than my mom, so that would that would just be hard. <laughs> yeah, I think in this case, she um, maybe she should have called, but like the popping up in person, I understood because she had to tell Rebecca her dad's dead, right? Yeah, like. I I still would have been like, hey, uh, can I come over? Yeah, I did like that when he she popped into the kitchen that uh, Sam hid uh, behind the counter. Little Sam little, behind like, the counter. Slow. <laughs> I really liked it. Well, she has the mom has that great writer's you know reference line. It's like uh, she said it's clunky, like too much exposition or whatever. So I thought that was cute. Okay, so then we're with the gang at the football club. And thanks to Keely, we learn about their philosophies on the afterlife. I like this. I like this scene. Ted used to believe that if you do something good, you go to heaven. If you do bad things, you go to hell. But now he knows that we all do good and bad things. So he says he just hopes Rebecca's dad is is happy wherever he is. Pygmalion says he wants a heaven where animals are in charge and people are pets. I would like that. I would like to be benignly cared for by a loving benefactor. <laughs> I would and too. Like, like get belly rubs? Yeah. 
The belly rubs would be key, yeah. And he wants to be curled up at the feet of Cindy Clawford. Cindy Clawford. <laughs> his, his cat that passed. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I would want my deceased cat to be my, like, benevolent animal heaven oh, owner. Lord. But um, I would like to see her again. Shout out to Mama. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that my dogs would be excellent benevolent overlords because they're dogs. People that have cats, I can imagine that might give you pause. Well, Mama liked to cuddle, so she would probably just cuddle me. Mm. Um, or claw my eyes out, either one. That's the problem. That's where yeah. it always is with cats. I'm pretty sure my dogs would just be like, cool, hey guys, yeah. what's going on? Let's snuggle. <laughs> you want some food? How about more food? Yeah. Let's play. Do you want to sniff each other's butts? Awesome. Um <laughs> Pretty much. So Nate believes in reincarnation and wants to come back as a tiger so he can and ravage- murder people. <laughs> so he can- mag- Red flag. Yes, exactly. Troubling. Um, He says ravage anyone that looks at him wrong. So, you know, classic. Yeah, Nate. this is like super red flag. Yeah. Uh, uh, Roy be- <laughs> Roy goes through. I think we skipped Roy. Who he just no, we like- haven't gotten to him yet. I want to save okay. him for last. Okay. Because um, he has a- He's all pissy this episode. But, uh, he is so excellent. Beard, He's in fine form this episode. So Beard believes in a soul, or at least considers its existence, because he cites the whole theory about the soul weighing that 21 is a grams. Lie. Yeah, I know. And it's like based on like this flawed study. It's so stupid. It wasn't even a study. I guess it's just it like It wasn't a, even a study. It yeah, it was just like an thing. experiment. <laughs> a poorly designed experiment. Yeah, they didn't have like control group, blah, blah, blah. Crap, crap, crap. And as Roy rightly points out, that means someone... Measured someone, murdered them, and then measured them again. (laughs) And to be honest, if you actually read up on that study, that would actually be a much more controlled environment and the right way to do it, like from the strictly like scientific point of view. Not morally. Not morally, (laughs) but well, no. Also, depending on how you murder them, like how do you just make someone dead? If it was like euthanasia, then it would be moral and. But still, they would might be heavier from the actual like injection of drugs. Mm. You see my point? So like, if you murder them and you stab them, well, okay, now they've lost blood, so they're gonna weigh less. Anyway. Yeah, I know it's it's hard to come up with. So you can't murder them. That's true. They have to. So you just have to like watch, like wait for them, measure a dying old person. Or a dying person, not necessarily old, because unfortunately death does come for us all, regardless of age. Um, all right, and so then, that like, concludes the episode. <laughs> that was really dark. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, that's so dark. Um, I mean, this entire show is about a funeral and death in general, so that's it is true. a bit of a dark episode. Yeah. Um, and then was it then it yeah. Roy comes in with his. He's just. He's just in the, you know. He's just in the morgue tray, chillaxing. And Keely is not into it, by the way. No. Well, he also says, "You live, you die, you're done." So Roy doesn't believe in an afterlife. He thinks that's it. Now, I love it. I'm on board with Roy's version of the world. Nice. Because I was going to ask you that. Um, I think for me, um, I don't know. I have no idea what happens, but um. I kind of, like, I want to find out. So when I get there and it's something cool, I'll be like, oh, cool. And if it's something shitty, I'll be like, oh, shit. Um, but I'm, like, I mean, kind of in a weird way looking forward to seeing if it's possible to know, you know? You know. Not um, to uh, quote Harry Potter, but Dumbledore says, to a well-organized mind, death is just the next adventure. 
Mm, interesting. Okay. I'm not a Harry Potter person, so I'll, I'll take I know. I, I, I guess I guess that from your pause, <laughs> but I'm just telling you. Well, no, was I was considering of... the statement. I was like, huh, I don't know. I just liked it. Um, but Dumbledore is supposed to be like wise, like he's like a wizard in Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, he's like the headmaster of the school. Yeah. Ian McCullen, right? No, that's oh. Ian McCullen. <laughs> that's, that's Gandalf. <laughs> Uh, never mind um but he's like an old white wizard right yeah he was uh and gay but yeah i think scientifically there's probably just nothing and uh probably yeah that's both terrifying and kind of appropriate in a comforting way so right so roy's like being kind of flippant about this and keely says that he's on his period period, and they're all like oh okay yeah (laughs) they're like yeah checks out now yeah that sounds sounds about right that might sound like a joke, but like male periods are a real theory, at least. They, well, the like, they, they go through a hormone cycle like we do. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. And also Roy is prone to moods. He's moody. Yeah. He's Roy moody. is so like, I think it was I got, like, we could have a more in-depth discussion about the male period, but I really think it's just a shorthand for the group of, you know, he's in one of his moods. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Roy is very, very moody and he's in a mood this whole episode. He really is. He is. I have like thoughts on this because I think it is. I think one, most of the things that he says are hilarious. But two, I also think he's being a giant asshole to Keely. But the problem is with that is, is that also three, everything he says is hilarious. Yeah. Like Roy is in rare form and it's right. Like he is legitimately funny through most of this. Yeah. And so it's very hard. It's It's very hard for me to like reconcile how shitty his behavior is because he's so fucking funny um i think roy feels the same way <laughs> yes he, <laughs> like is. he doesn't get why he's in trouble but yeah we do find out why he acts that way he does get yeah. why he's in trouble that's the thing is like usually he he cottons onto it much much faster but he's in this mood that he can't that i don't think he can pull himself out of it yeah until the end where he has a little yeah. bit of time and he process. does and he does it's very it's very sweet yeah. So wherever Rebecca's daddy is, at least he doesn't have to deal with being constantly rickrolled the way that Rebecca <laughs> is right now. Yep. Because she's at her mom's house and um, her mom has a big thing for Rick Astley's never going to give you up. You know, me, myself, I prefer together forever, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. And her mom says that once she loves something, she loves, she it, loves forever. it forever. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I have problems with this. But we skipped a little bit where the team decides to go to the funeral and they have an entire thing about them having to wear real shoes, which yeah. is one of weirdly, I both love and hate this reoccurring bit with Danny the entire episode. Oh, I loved every single second of it. I Yeah, the, that's the problem is, is I love it. Like, I love it and I kind of hate it because it's like, it makes no logical sense. Like, I understand these guys are athletes, but they do go to like fancy things. And so they would have bought they would have nice shoes. Maybe you they just wear mean? Jordans <laughs> for everything. <laughs> I don't think they do. Like, they would have had to have gone to, like, like athletes get invited places that are nice. And I know it's generally a bit of more leeway is given. Yeah. But, like. I know. But I'm saying, nice like, shoes. people wear Jordans with tuxes now. Like, that's the vibe. The whole, like, look. Mm, I still don't think. Like, I'm pretty sure that if you, if we go back and watch, like, the gala scene in last in last season, you would see them in regular shoes. Mm. I don't think was Danny there yet. 
That would be interesting to go back and, and look. I don't know. I, I I do like the fact that they call out Jamie that he has to wear a shirt. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to a funeral, Jamie, you have to. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, I don't. I think Jamie's grown up from that a little bit. You he's. Know? I mean, I like that he's still, like they still, that Isaac was like, don't, yeah. don't even, don't start with me. This is not. Um, Mr. Danny, well, you know he's got those feet, blessed by God. He could have like abnormally like wide soccer feet or something. I, I don't mean, know. you can, but like <laughs> I, I refuse to believe he can't have cu- like they don't have custom shoes for this. Yeah. Like, especially people whose job depends so much on their feet. That and like also they're all in Europe, and Europeans are fancier than Americans, and so like I bet they have like bespoke shoes that yeah. were like measured and individually fitted to their delicate little toesies. And Europeans have nice shoes, too, like nice shoemakers. They do. Um, okay, so Sassy and Nora also show up for the funeral as well. Her, I love I love her entrance where she just busts in. Yeah, Sassy's <laughs> a nut cluster. She's, okay, so this is, this, this episode is why as much as I am, and we've had discussed this previously, that like my, my like ship is Ted and Rebecca. I don't mind Sassy so much because she is on fire this episode. Absolutely on fire. Yeah. And I love her. I don't think we've seen a bad Sassy moment yet. No, um, we've never. She's never been bad. But like this one, I'm sorry. Like I have her entire speech to Rid- Richard written down and we'll deliver it later nah. in this podcast. <laughs> okay. I loved it. Her open hostility to Rupert is glorious. Somebody needs to do it. Yes. Yep. Um, but they're a bit, Nora and Sassy are a bit too chipper to me, like climbing in through yeah. windows and such. Like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think they also know that, like, Rebecca's not necessarily, this is not necessarily the saddest day for Rebecca, right? Because of the issues she has with her dad. Yeah, they clearly know. But I think they're trying to, I think, you know, I think Sassy's trying to keep it light, trying to make her laugh. Yep. And Rebecca is clearly enjoying it. Yep. Yes. Right. They're They're on the same vibe. Um, so next scene, Keely's back at it again, and she's posing the hard questions, and she wants to know, she's talking to Roy, what to do if Roy has an untimely death, like if he gets hit by a bus or something, how does he want to be buried? What should she do? And Roy's all like, go after the bus driver and Avenge make him me, pay. Avenge me, Keely. Avenge me. <laughs> yes. And I'm sorry. Like, he is, like, I, I've seen this episode, like, two or three times by now. I still left. of him, like, oh, yeah, turning to too. her. Like, avenge me (laughs) and like he is like again it's hard like keely is clearly trying to process something yeah and roy is just being an absolute asshole about it he's also unfortunately being the funniest i think he might have ever been (laughs) so some people funerals really do bring out their sense of humor yeah yeah it's sort of dealing with stuff Um, yeah i also have to say duh keely like Roy, this is the right answer to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I like that's the problem is it's like, why would you even ask him that? Like one, you know, you know that it would be, uh, avenge him. Like I think that is his, his yeah. real answer. Yeah, like yeah, that's part. Of, I mean, for me, it's partly my real answer. If I have an yeah. untimely death, and avenge me. Yeah, and certain people don't avenge me. I've sw- I've already told them and sworn to myself that like I will haunt you forever. Like you better try at least <laughs> to avenge me. Um, so I like you didn't the tell attitude. me that. Well, I think that's the problem. Is, is you know I would. I know you would fucking avenge me, and I'm sure that we had this conversation like 20 years ago, almost. So probably, yeah, yeah. We have known each other 
almost 20 years. So yeah. yeah, we might have had one drunken night. Don't worry. If you get hit by a bus, I will wipe out their entire genetic line. <laughs> Maybe not that far. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would feel bad for the dr- bus driver, but like, be more careful, okay? Yeah, don't hit people. I love that Keely kind of came back at him and is like, you want me to ruin a bus driver's life because he swerved to avoid a child and yeah. hit you? And then he, she, and like Roy is like, immediately is like, well, I didn't know about the child. I didn't know about the child, yeah. Like, I like that even in her upset, she could still kind of come to, like, come back at Roy. And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I love it. Yeah, that's such a nice dynamic between them. We also get name checked the kebab guy. And apparently... He has a hair problem. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's gross, but Roy kind of a little bit has a point. It's kind of like when you eat like families cooking or like you eat at home where it's just like, yeah, you can stick your hands in it. It's fine. I trust you. You wash your hands. But like other people, uh, you'd be immediately turned off. Well, like the thing is, is the cooking is, is like it uses your hands. As long as they're clean, it's fine. I don't like as long as I when when I see someone preparing the meal and they wash their hands multiple times throughout the preparation. Yes. Like fine. I don't And get, I do get wash your hand, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get your hands all up in there. But uh cuz I think gently massaged food is the best food. It tastes better. And did I have to be creepy about that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I yep. did. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, <laughs> so, Keely says that she wants to be turned into a food source for a fruit tree, which I've seen pictures of this, um, or, you know, pictures of it this. theoretically. I kind of dig this. Yeah, me too. I dig it. So that she can be, like, nourishment for people, which is a nice really? idea. I kind of dig this. Or I also like when she runs into... Um, I like that she and Sassy are on the same page when he, she asks her about it, and she and they're like, "Yeah, I really." And she goes, "Or a really stupid dog." And I was like, "Yeah, that would also work." I feel like <laughs> if I could be someone's very stupid beloved dog, that would be an excellent reincarnation. That's the life. Yeah, you'd be pampered and not care about anything, <laughs> like ever, and not have not have like two thoughts to rub together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but all of them are happy. All each independent thought yeah. is thrilled. What, yeah. What? Yes. Yes. Um, I have known dogs like that, and they are very charming. I feel like most dogs. But are I like have that. seen them get like lost in the corner of a room. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, yeah. So let's see. Next, I want to be that level of stupid. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Next, we see Ted, and he. There's a lot going on in this scene. So, yeah. and s- most of it starts adorable and then it gets shaky, right? Um, yeah. So I want to run through kind of all the things that we see because some of them are callbacks. So mm-hmm. first, and some of them are just cute. So first, did you see Ted's striped little underpants? I did. Those are so hot. Hot Ted. Uh, <laughs> um. B, we get to see him dancing to Easy Lover by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. So we finally get Does that. It- yeah, doesn't yeah he does like mention that in one of the that's a callback right season two episode five when he was late meeting Beard, um, and he was like, well, I think that a man should only take as long as Easy Lover to get ready. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the two fills, the two best fills of the eighties. So I love that song, and I I recently well it's a whole thing, but uh, you remember when they used to do the verses, and. Vaguely. Um, anyway, so they did one with Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley Brothers, and Earth, Wind, and Fire did Easy Lover, so that was a really good, because I didn't expect them to do that, I don't think anybody did, and Phil Bailey can still sing, too, he can still hit those high notes, so 
that was really great to see. <laughs> That's on the internet if anybody's ever interested in listening to some jams. Um, and then three, here's where we get a bit more serious. We see the picture that Nate gave Ted for Christmas sitting up on his dresser in his bedroom. That's another callback. And it's sitting right next to a picture of Ted's son, Henry. So I don't know that I would ever put a picture of a coworker on my like dresser. So Ted really loves this picture. Like it means something to him. Um, yes. Yeah. I like that. But then you see it next to this picture of the son. Yep. And I think the placement there is, I don't want to get into this because I don't think he treats Nate like a son. I think, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. It's there. I think it's there. I think amongst his sons, we could count like Jamie and Nate. Yes. Yeah. Don't get me back into Jamie. And, you know, I think kind of all the boys are his son. But but you were saying about Nate that he, he doesn't pay Nate enough attention. He's not paying him enough attention. Yeah, let's let's go on because I think that'll be a better topic for a later day. Okay. The picture's just sitting there staring Ted in the face like when he's getting ready on this day where he's about to join his friend in mourning her dad. And we all know the father-son relationship troubles that Ted Lasso has. It's a sore mm-hmm. spot for him. It's a sensitive area. And... Uh-oh, Jello. The last thing we see is Ted staring at himself in the mirror, attempting to tie his tie, but he is hit with a panic attack. So, and amongst the like flashes of images that we get, we get flashes of little Henry. Um I think when they were building the double decker model. Yeah. We get a little green army man and we get darts. And these are all things that Ted associates with his dad or fatherhood. In general, so I'm looking at Ted like, "Oh, you poor thing, you poor poor thing," um, and eventually we do see that he calls Doctor Sharon. I like this. I like that he. I like that he calls her because yeah. he know he knows he needs help. Right. So I'm not going to get to what happens with him until later. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to go to the funeral right now. So once at the funeral, we join Rebecca and her mom who are outside the church greeting guests, and Scar, I mean Rupert, comes up <laughs> looking peak evil. He's got that fucking what's a goatee. The, the goatee. I couldn't remember the word for it. The goatee. My notes say Rupert shows up with a baby and evil beard. Right. Uh, he's like menacingly cradling this baby too. The yeah, baby somehow makes being... it more evil. Yeah, especially with the baby's fancy black bonnet. Yeah, which is so fucking weird. British. It's and so British. It's so British. I don't like uh, her mom's hat. I like Rebecca's hat much better. Mm. Yeah, I did like Rebecca's hat. That was nice. So uh, Rupert and Bex have mm-hmm. had this baby. And he just looks so pleased with himself. God. Yeah. He's always just the, the absolute worst. He's the worst. So then after this, after he's done being evil, um, mm-hmm. the AFC Richmond bus pulls up. And all the boys come out to support Rebecca, every single one of them. It's very sweet. And we get some... Uh, things from boys that I want to point out, mainly their fashion. So Danny looks like his feet are about to give birth because of how much he hates wearing <laughs> shoes. Uh, well, like, I don't understand. Like, when when you see later in the episode, they're all, and I'm like, did you not buy shoes that fit? Because, like, I think that shoes- was a problem, yeah. Yeah, like, he is having legitimate issues <laughs> here. Like, I love that Jamie, I like how his relationship with Jamie has recovered so much that, like, he's, like, leaning on Jamie. Jamie. 
and like getting help. Like yeah. it's Jamie that's helping him off the bus. I that's what I imagine is that he doesn't wear real shoes or like hard bottom shoes enough. So that like maybe he got the size wrong. Like he didn't know what size to buy. I don't know. Yeah. Um Nathan's wearing his one good suit, the gray one. Uh Colin It doesn't quite fit. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I know. We've talked about this before, how like it's Okay. It's not it's really touch, it's, it's like a, a little touch snug. too small. Yeah. A touch too small. I think that's on purpose, to be honest. I think it's on purpose too, because it's not supposed to be quite right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like supposed you're trying to be to... something found in the spur of the moment. Yeah. But I think it's something that Ted gave him, so he values. And he yes. likes the way he looks in it. He likes the way he looks in it, but also like symbolically, like he's trying to level up, yeah. but it's not quite right, right? Yeah. Um. So, you know, Colin, he had on this like tasteful, you know, dapper looking embroidered vest. So I was like, he I, does. I, I, I see you, Colin. Welsh little weirdo see you um and then isaac he never lets a moment to dress go to waste because he no, shows he up not. it's like this marbled thunder pattern it's like i think it's supposed to be like rising smoke looking real good he Maybe does so. he looks fine yeah and i feel bad for rebecca and sam because they can't be together in this moment you know like publicly yeah and you can you can kind of yeah feel that he wants to comfort her yeah but he just gives her a thumbs up plus i assume that when she initially found out about the death from her mom, that he probably comforted her then because he was there yeah. with her. So they probably had it, but it's still kind of weird. This is this is why I think um, secrecy is sometimes foolish is because uh, – yeah. and Sam is ultimately right because it's, it's fun for like – I could see keeping it secret for like a day or two just at the fun, see- sneaky, sexy sneak arounds. But afterwards, it just becomes hard. Yep. Yeah. And in this moment, I think I would have, I don't think I could have played it cool. I think I would have been like, you know, I don't know. It's difficult to know what to do. Yeah. And while we're talking about fashion, we see Keely again, who's almost giving us like an Amy Winehouse moment with like the little bouffant and the bang. I don't like, so like, bless, bless her heart. Bless her heart. She's doing her best. Her, (laughs) um, I don't, I don't hate the dress. I don't hate the look. It's a great look. Not appropriate for a funeral. Uh, maybe so. A little too cutesy. It's it's too low cut. There's too much boobage, and it's too short. Hmm. I kind of like the idea of setting it out at a funeral. You know, you give something people to be distracted by. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna do that, at least do it in like color. Mm-hmm. Bless her heart. I love Keely. It's very much in line with her fashion sense, which is what I like. It fits her character to a T, so I do like it. And obviously, I don't ever think. Rebecca would be offended, but like I could, like I, I, I hate to be judging her because you know how much I love Keely. We all love Keely, uh, but it's not Keely. quite appropriate. Uh, Keely, it's <laughs> um, not quite appropriate for a funeral. So, <laughs> and Keely does something else that's not appropriate. She encounters Sassy, and they like squeal and have. A I love this fall scene. down girl moment. I love it. And she tells her that she thinks that Rebecca is secretly dating someone, so Keely yes. is on it. I don't know how she has figured this out. She she explains it. She's she's the best. She does. She does explain it, right? Rebecca's been acting weird and whatnot, not texting yeah. appropriately and all that. Yeah, yeah. Like when she followed up on the date, she was like kind of probably bland. vague. Yeah. 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 So as uh, two friends of a shared friend do, they hatch a plan to badger Rebecca into telling them who it is. 
That's what's dangerous about getting your friends together with your other friends. I know. Um, they're, I, they, they, they definitely feel like they're, yes, they, those two definitely feel like they actively plot against Rebecca all mm-hmm. the time in like the gentle, fun way that it's fun to plot against your friends. Um, a bit later, we see Dr. Sharon go over to Ted's apartment to check on him. We're going to get heavy after this, okay? No, no, no. We, we, okay. So you missed the best part of the episode. Oh, what did I You miss? jumped ahead Sassy's open hostility to Ro- to Rupert and her glorious speech. Oh. Okay, you go walked, ahead. you ahead. waltzed right past it. Because she, because she's talking with Keely and then Rupert approaches her. And, oh yes, yes, okay. and she is openly hostile to him. And then she goes, and and she goes, oh, he goes, he tries to be smarmy and terrible, and goes, oh, I'm so much better now. And she comes back at him and says, yes, because having a daughter erases all the shitty things you've ever done to women in your lifetime. Speak on it. Yes, and then she comes back, and like he keeps trying to kind of like charm her because he's, you know, I think he is used to being able to charm people. And she just says to him, and this is the single greatest thing. This is why I love her so much and will always love her. She says, Rupert, I think about your death every single day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm going to wear red to your funeral. I will be a beacon of joy to the other three people there. Yeah. And I was just like, and she goes, and he like, he can't like, he's kind of taken aback. Like, cause I don't think anyone has treated him with such open hostility before right and then and then he goes oh i think he says to her like oh always always charming or whatever and she just goes fuck off and die rupert and he and i was just like yes yeah (laughs) i I, love it i bet you and you know she says what we were all thinking right Mm -hmm. but i bet you that the reason that she had to go away for six years was because she's always just been straight up with rupert I think I think we we've talked about it before and I think this episode makes it quite clear that like it's about control like her, their relationship Rupert and Rebecca's relationship was clearly abusive. Yep. Like and maybe not in the physical way, probably in emotionally and psychological. And so he likely like kept her away, isolated her from those friends. And I think Sassy, I think in a previous episode kind of calls her out on it but it's 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 that she was that she to a certain extent allowed it to happen yeah but um i think that's why rupert continuously like haunts her yeah it's it's and it's why he's so because she got away and so he needs to come in and exert that control in her life from time to time even if it's only to just upset her that's exactly right and i was just watching this like documentary of an abuse victim and they said exactly that it was so crazy. But um, the person doesn't go away because even if you leave, they got to keep coming for you. Um, but yeah, I think Sassy sees it so clearly that I know she's just been, she's always been like about that shit, like 100%, you know? Isn't she a psychologist? Um, I'm not totally clear. You keep telling me she, she is. A, so I, I, thought she, I thought they mentioned in one of the episodes that she's like somewhere's premier child psychologist. I take your word for it. I can't recall. But, like, it makes sense that she would see it clearly. Yes. And also have the emotional tools to kind of... Deal with it. Yeah, deal with it. But also, like, kind of diagnose... Like, when when she kind of has that heart-to-heart to Rebecca several, like... I think late last year? Last episode? Or, like, you know, whatever. Last season, yeah. Last season, where she goes... Where she tells Rebecca, like, in no uncertain terms, like... Yeah, he was... He was... He was the worst, but, like... 
you look past a lot of this stuff. I think she says you climbed up the steps to that ivory tower yourself. Right. And I think, and I think that's a great way to like explain that, like not not victim blame, but like explain at least a certain level of complicity into what happened. You know. Uh, yeah. At least explain the dynamic. Yeah. Like it's not my field. I can't speak to how that stuff works but neither can i really the description of that dynamic i would say makes sense to me yeah um right so we see the next thing we see in this episode is dr sharon going over to ted's apartment Mm -hmm. uh, to check on him and sharon comes in and sits down and ted offers her tea and this may be the first true moment that we see them like actually mutually bonding because mm-hmm. <laughs> Sharon says, no, I hate tea. It tastes like wet, a wet paper bag. Now <laughs> I have to say that's an app description. And it also helps me understand a little bit why I like tea because I like the smell of new paper bags. I like the smell of paper bags, but they um, smell I hate, but like that is, that is an accurate description of what tea tastes like. <laughs> it and is, and I hate it. I hate it so much. And I like Ted just goes, I'll tell you anything. Yeah. He's like, I'll tell you anything. (laughs) So she has won his heart with her hatred of tea. Um, And that's how you get Theodore Lasso to open up. Okay. So (laughs) uh, I'm going to pause here with Ted and save what he opens up to Dr. Sharon about um, for later. Because the show edits the episode in such a way... It's so lovely where we get the this sort of climax. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a dueling complimentary soliloquies from both Ted and Rebecca. Um, yes. And so and it's about the experiences with their father's actions. So I want to kind of do those together. So. Yes. Back at the funeral, the girls are getting up to no good. They're being so oh, loud. I love them like shrieking <laughs> that in, in whatever that that room is. The. um. Yeah, like Catholic churches have like weird names for rooms. It's crazy. I, it's not a Catholic church. They're it's an Anglican, Anglican church. right? Yeah, y'all do too much though, or they do too much. I, I, it always like my my the part of me that's uh, still Catholic was like, I can't call you a priest. You're not a Catholic priest, yeah. vicar. Yeah. So the vicar asked them to be quiet multiple times during all of this. Yeah. During all their squeeing. Um, Sassy brings a bottle of wine because, of course, you know. That she get... stole from an altar boy. <laughs> let's get turned at the funeral. Um... I mean, to be honest, <laughs> if people were carrying on like this at my funeral, I would not be upset. Like, this is, to be honest, like, great. <laughs> yeah. Like, if people are having a good time at my funeral, I'm here for it. Please laugh Like, I tell the internet at large, and you, uh, who might, in fact, attend my funeral one day. Depending on how long we live. But please, carry on at my funeral. Like, Yeah, please laugh. Yeah, have a I like have have Jeb blast. Bush, please clap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> please clap. Have an absolute blast, please, guys. Yeah. So, I want there to be, I want you to be told off by the priest for laughing too loud. Yeah. Um. So Keely's pressing Rebecca to come clean about her secret mystery man that she's dating. And uh, she's trying to get her to spill. So they decide to play 20 questions. But it doesn't take Keely long to guess that it's uh, Sam. It was one question. Was <laughs> so Keely's good. Keely is on top of shit. Keely's way like I love Keely. She's so she's so good. Yeah. How she knew it was Sam though, I have no idea. I think she just knows. Like yeah. she's just she's very um They had they would always have this vibe of like this little like hi <laughs> little vibe. So maybe she was catching more of that than they showed us. Um 
So all the girls freak out and they get super loud again. And the vicar comes in and kicks everybody out but immediate family. I was told that you couldn't, you can't really regulate how people grieve. So this vicar was rude, in my opinion. I think it's not, <laughs> it's not necessary. Like there's grieving and then there's a funeral. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of shenanigans happen at a funeral. Yeah. So here's where I want to discuss what Ted and Rebecca disclosed about their fathers. Mm-hmm. Teddy didn't go to his own dad's homegoing or his funeral because he saw his dad as a quitter. So I love this. Yeah, he said someone who quit on his family and himself. I think this is actually, I think, one of the themes of the episode to move one of our segments up is is that you can't hate like Rebecca and Ted hate without having loved someone mm. deeply and fully. That's deep. So... Like that's that's you know that's why people always say there's like a thin line between love and hate and if when you're young and you think to yourself that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard they're diametrically opposed emotions and they're not entirely wrong there but you can't hate someone not a deep deep hatred not like the hatred these characters are feeling and expressing without having loved them first because it. It's a complicated hate. It's not like a, oh, I hate that color hate. It's a, this person has wounded me grievously, and it's stripped that love away or damaged the love. In Rebecca's case, it looks like it's stripped it away. In Ted, he's clearly struggling to hold both emotions. Um, Because, to be honest, in my opinion, he's correct to hate his father for this. I mean, I know, not to make life of anyone's struggles with mental health or with depression, but killing yourself ends your pain, but it ruins the lives of the people that love you. And I can't blame Ted for the way he feels. Like, yeah. just like I can't blame Rebecca for she walked in on what happened, like, like on, yeah. on, on her father cheating with, it sounds like, a neighbor or yeah. someone they knew. And that's hard. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they're exactly equivalent crimes, but they are pretty closely related. You know they're, what I mean? I can see them being both being very wounding and especially for a child in your formative yes, years. Yeah. And dealing with these things in context of your parents, they're yeah. both shattering at, at different levels, yeah. but shattering. They're, yeah, they're both shattering at different, but they are like, you know, uh, you should never compare trauma, but they are pretty, yeah. Like you're saying, they're both, both shattered. They're both very bad because sometimes, like I could see, and I think that's kind of the subtext here is, is that it would have been better if her father had just died rather than had done this to her. Mm. you know because from that day to her to to her she he was dead he was dead yeah like it and there there is something there's something worse almost about someone like like a, a relationship breaking so thoroughly beyond repair that you may as well have been dead yeah. the, the, and to see them still alive yeah like you know what i mean totally yeah there's there's something it's you know the Walking Dead. So, like, I, I, like, I think it's very smart how they kind of paired this 
emotional catharsis together, yes. to be honest. But like that's, you know, that's why Ted hates him. That's why Rebecca hates their father so, so much. Um, because you can't, you can't achieve that level of hatred without having loved them. I, I love that whole concept. Yeah. And the way you yeah. broke it down. That was nice. Because it's, it's, it's not just hatred. There's, yeah, it's, it's, you lose the love. You lose, like, it's the betrayal. It's the, it's, I think it's just the betrayal. Yeah. The ruining of stripping away kind of that, you know, the way we view our parents, that, that way, the kind of almost godlike way we view our parents, especially when we're young. Now I know both of them are teenagers, oh, roughly that's 16. That's a good point. But it strips away that. It strips away that it ends level. the hero worship. Yeah, it ends the hero worship. And they yeah. are now... They are now everyone else and not just and not just your parents. Because can you imagine for like a 16 year old Ted, you know, even though he he does talk about how his dad was uh, gone a lot, but there Mm -hmm. was a part of him like any kid, I would imagine that idolized his dad and then dealing with his dad committing committing suicide. It would be as if you saw one of your heroes fail. Right. The ultimate type of. Yes. You know, the way that that a child at 16 and maybe even Ted to this day sees that as quitting, like he said, right? But I think this is very important. As Ted always points out, he left his mom. Ted is not hurt just for himself. He is hurt for his mother. And this is going to be a bit of a convoluted story. Um, But, uh, and, and, and stick with me here. Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it in previous episodes, peoples. Uh, I, uh, Got cancer at 25. I promise I'm going to connect these dots. And I live through it, obviously, because I'm 36 now and I'm not dead. Um, I will never forgive myself for what I put my parents through. Ever. Ever. I understand that it was not my fault. I understand that um, it's just a thing that happened. That I didn't do it. That I didn't deserve it. But my parents didn't either. It hurt them. It hurt them in a way that no one deserves to be hurt. And so this is kind of where I connect it back to Ted being, and maybe he's displacing some of his own anger, but the fact that it hurt, to see the ones you love hurt and know you can't stop it, and know the source of that hurt, is hard. So that's one of the things that I think is also is very, very real about his conversation with Dr. Sharon is that he's always Dr. Sharon is obviously focused on him specifically and the hurt his father did to him because she's she's his therapist right um but I but whenever whenever um Ted mentions this he always mentions and his mom yep and it's because at the end of the day not only did it hurt Ted it hurt his mom and I think that's that's one of the things that I think they need to address as well but um and i like the show the fact that ted brings it up constantly it makes it much it makes it much realer it makes it uh, yeah you feel it well thank you julia for sharing that bit of personal information um yeah it just it's just one of those things that like speaks to me there's certain things that like this is gonna be dumb and much lighter so i'm gonna link it back to a marvel show that i or marvel tv thing when i watched did you see uh was it Civil War, Captain America Civil War? Mm-hmm. The one thing that always gets me at the end, and I think this is 
I think again what makes it real is is that when at the end when uh Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. accuses him of killing you he's just like you see him kind of process stuff and then he just goes you killed my mom and it's like it's like there's something as much as I love my father as much as I like there's something sacred about your mom's feelings getting hurt yeah or your mom and like there's there's that and I think like little touches like that and that situation made that that film like made that much realer and brought like something to a comic book movie much realer but like the fact that he is focused on it also hurt his mom is very important yeah and i think it's one of the, i think that is one of the reasons like like why yeah cuz he always refers to it as he left us not yeah. he left me he left us and i think that's that makes it the much better yeah, I think it provides context for exactly how it hurt Ted. Like, mm-hmm. it's not only just the gravity, but also the exact way. And, yeah. like, you, from your experience, like, you have this firsthand, like, or, like, front row seat, rather, to watching that type of thing be, like, a, a risk, mm-hmm. like, a big, real having to deal with it risk for your mom and having to watch it. But then at the same time, like, you're going through it too um and so yeah i just can't imagine that like it's uh, yeah it's a lot man so thank it's, you for yeah. talking about that it's rough it's yeah my um, darling so i wish just, i could give you a hug <laughs> no don't worry about it it's fine uh i told this this you know episode is heavy but um yeah so i also would like to uh point out how this show does skim past darkness he was in the house ted was in the house when his dad yes killed himself. yeah he was the one he, that he heard it. it he heard it and then he found, found it. it yeah and they don't touch on that which i think is both smart and makes it a little bit more grim seeing him tell it and yeah. be in and those tears and you can tell and like in the fact that like he goes and at 16 years old, like, I know people drank at 16, but he goes and his immediate reaction is to go get a drink, which is hits yep. on the alcohol thing that we... He goes and grabs his father's beer. Yeah. From the fridge. Course, yeah, it's cores in the fridge. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't... What, I don't think... I don't... Like, once... Like, I don't think the police are going to, you know... I don't think anyone's going to give you shit about that at that point. No. No. Well, I've had uh, this scenario happen in my family. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and this, the kid was the one that was there. Um, so it's a lot to deal with. It's... Um, and the thing that gets me, uh, that I know my, my cousin had to deal with and also Ted was going through it with a parent. And it's kind of similar to what you were saying, even though, you know, the one that was at kind of mortal risk there in your case was you. But you're you're going through it with your even though you were sick you were going through it with your parents right, mm-hmm. but like the thing that got me was like he said he drank the beer before he called his mom. I think he just like I maybe he needed, he needed a, it. I think to be honest to tell his mom this. I think he needed a moment to himself. Yeah, it, that too. I also think it it it. I also think in that scene he's describing. And I think he is realizing also as he's talking, or maybe not, I don't know. This is, 
he is, I think he is, he's realizing as he's describing his father that there are aspects of his father that he has picked up on. Bingo. And, and I think that, I think the beer, like, I know we hit on the alcohol thing a lot. In that particular case, um, I think it mostly was, you know, he's a young boy. He's patterning a lot of his behavior off his father. And so he's pro- he did something he'd probably seen his father do a million times. Wow. Yeah. And um, so he picks it up, you know, and he, he, yeah, he's picked up. He's probably seen, you know, his dad come home from work or, or do something and have to make like a hard call or like do something or maybe even just a nice call. Pick up a beer after a day of work and call and call somebody. He's probably seen his dad do it a billion times. Yeah. And so in that case, because it's beer, like if he had like gotten three shots of liquor, like then it would be, oh, he needed the comfort of, of, of booze. It's, it's, I think you mentioned specifically it's a course. Like that's not exactly, Light you beer. know, one beer. Yeah. I think it was mostly, it was a pattern. It was him picking up, starting to pick up the pieces of the mess his father made. Yep. Kind of, uh, kind of like muscle memory, but it's from watching somebody else. Yeah, and it's him starting to... Because that's probably what happens, is he has to start to step in to a certain extent and fill that gap. Like, no child should ever have to, one, witness that. Two, like, have to deliver that message to their parent. Yep. Um, That's not something that, that young... That should happen. I mean, life is... Or ever, but especially a kid, like... Yeah. Life is indifferent to us, and death comes for us all. But, like, that's still... Like, that's one of the universal truths of life. Um, but... It still doesn't mean it should happen like that. Right. So... Um, so, I think you're right, rough. though, in that, like, there's a lot of stuff that ted reveals here where you're just kind of looking at this from the audience and going like that's it that's that's what it is right there the whole time Mm -hmm. that's what your issue is um so yeah so so many issues of ted stem from that faded day yeah and i think the fact that he was like looking up i think it's a like i think he feels like um to to extrapolate further i feel like ted thinks that he's quit on his child and i know you think I'm a Ted hater when I say that, but I don't disagree with his view of himself. Like, this show has to end with him going back. Oh, yeah. From he, from day one, like, yeah. I was like, from actually before I even watched the show, because I think it's Mary Poppins. I think that's what Ted Lasso is. Um, But, mm. yeah, I totally agree with you there. He has to go back. He has left his, like, his marriage failed. He couldn't handle it, and he ran away. Like, and he feels like he has abandoned his child. He's quit on his child. I've abandoned my child. <laughs> abandoned my boy. <laughs> I mean. I love Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, Ted is not wrong in that evaluation. Like, um, he's not. Yeah. No, I agree with all of that. I think he goes back for Henry since we're doing a season three prediction. Um, yeah. But I just don't agree with the totally that he was running part i think he was slightly pushed as well <laughs> i mean i don't think don't but we don't have be, to we don't have to get it might now. become um so i'm trying to see where i was 
So Rebecca, we get some Rebecca stuff in here too. And then I'm going to come back to Ted at the final end because it was just so much. And yeah. I kind of want to leave him for the end, but I'll leave the rest of his stuff for the end. Yeah. And I think we can talk about probably a little bit more of like maybe hit on the Rebecca stuff because I, I do have thoughts on that. Like I can't like, I especially think it, it hits on like finding your, like, and she like seeing your parent in that scenario would be immensely embarrassing. Like, see if it was just the two of your parents. It would be horrifying. Yeah. Right? Boy, your eyes. Yeah, yeah. It would be horrifying. But it would be, like, it would be something that, like, a bad joke you tell in your family for years. Right? Like, it would be, or, or like, it, you could see it progress into At something At some point, like you're going to laugh it yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's At not some a big point. deal. And, like, especially when you grow older, it becomes, like, oh, that was an embarrassing thing to see. But it's nice to know that my parents still love each other. Like, because, yeah. you know, you know, that's sex is an expression of love in a lot of, in a lot of places, you know, for a lot of people. So, like, it would be, you know, as an adult, I can say it's nice. It would be nice to know that my parents had a healthy sexual relationship. I don't <laughs> want to think about it. Yeah. It's a very but, mature statement. <laughs> yes. I just, it just like, makes me giggle. Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like but like to walk in on that and then to have realized that one it's it's was not your mother and two someone you know yeah. and that your friend mrs sees it reynolds too. oh i would have been yeah. furious i would have been like stab stab like i would have run to the kitchen to get a knife me at i don't 16 I, I don't, or 15 or whatever i would yeah, have acted completely irrationally i don't i don't know and i'd then, have been like run then, bitch you'll be lucky if you can get out of this house like <laughs> I probably I don't don't know be I worried about my it. mom. Be worried about me. <laughs> yeah, it would have been two murders, one two. <laughs> um, I would have gone after him first, and then like the other one. But also, then I think when we uh, we see kind of a and this is one of the things that I don't like about this episode is when she comes back around to her mother. Um, because as she said, Rebecca's mother has failed her in a catastrophic way. And I think the forgiveness comes too easy. Oh, I I had a good bit of mm, sympathy is the right word for her mother. And I had a I ended up viewing her mother with with the additional information that she gives in this show in a different light. And I, I, I'll tell you I'll tell you why. Don't. But so, please go ahead. Yeah. So the whole thing is, you know, Rebecca knew that her dad was a big time cheater. Um, well, it turns out. And this is why she hates him. I wanted to be sure to capture this too. The day after she found this, that she walked in on this scene, Rebecca's dad acted like it never happened. And he said nothing, which is the highest form of gaslighting that I can think of. Because he saw her see him and talk to her that day and tried to get her to calm down and all this stuff. The next day to act like it didn't happen, you fucking psychopath. Yeah, um, that's fucking, I don't even, I don't even know. Yeah. And so we see at least a few of Rebecca's issues stem from those formative years, observing the fuckery of her father in parallel to, well, in parallel to Ted, even though Ted's father, I wouldn't describe it as fuckery, but observing their actions. And um, she went on to choose a similar cheating, gaslighting dude. Right. So she mm -hmm. she got that from her mother, just like Ted got things from his dad. Uh, and Rebecca also learned to carry hate for people. Like, I can imagine that would have been her first like. Oh, this is what carrying hatred, deep hatred, feels like, and learning how to replicate that um, to become the Rebecca that we see in the beginning of season one, right? 
So yeah. she says she hated her dad and also she became she came to hate her mother for knowing about his infidelities and yet still letting her dad treat her that way. And Rebecca's so angry at her mom for not having the courage to leave and just be alone, which she notes is horrible. Um so yeah, this is where we differ because I don't think being alone is horrible. I'm much preferred. But Oh, that's what I Rebecca c- says. I know, but I think that's wrong. Like, I think people are, are so afraid. I don't, I've never understood this fear of being alone, and maybe this either. is my my failure. But, like, I can understand missing a relationship. I can understand missing the support it gives, um, even when it's compromised. I can understand missing looking after someone, missing someone being there, having someone to talk to. Being alone is different from that. Yeah, there's a difference between lonely and alone, maybe. Yeah, and I think, and I, it sounds like I'm splitting hairs here, because what she feared is being lonely, but you can be lonely in a relationship. And True. B- being alone is something else, and it sounds like, she, you know, she was terrified to leave. Blah blah blah. Crap, crap, crap. But like, so why, why, what made you change your mind on the mom? Because I oh, still think it's I'm gonna... horrifying. I'm I'm going to get there from this point on and then on throughout my my themes as well. So I'm not going to cover it all right now. Mm-hmm. Um but going back to the horrible thing, I can see how Rebecca would feel that losing her man, you know, that she had been with for years and possibly even that particular man because of who Rupert is, like this shiny, you know, outwardly, not the monster he is privately, but this shiny kind of you know, mogul guy, um, the status of it. Yeah. Not that Rebecca cares a lot about those things, but in I general, he does. would be considered like some kind of a catch and losing that as a kind of as a middle aged woman. I could see how Rebecca just the adjustment would be horrible. And I think that that's what she means, because she does go on to say that being alone is starting to feel rather wonderful and her face lights up. And I really appreciate it seeing that on her because she has grown a lot. So she she and the I mom. I can't. I can't get like the the. I, I think her forgiveness is too swift. There's there's so, certain truth. I think the they they thought that the mom saying that line be would what would you rather be be loving or being right? Yeah. And there is truth there. However, I love that line. That's that's I Rebecca's don't. mom like picking up her Esther Perel, Brene Brown shit again. <laughs> Maybe. Like that's like a, a there's a version of that that's commonly said. But uh, I just don't like it because I think it puts it allows for too much to be looked past or swept under the rug. Yeah. Um so yeah, they basically end their conversation with Rebecca's mom saying she always hated Rupert but was nice to him because that's the best way to let people like that know that they can't get you, which I think is a gym. I think that's actually right. Um, yeah. In those cases. A lot of times for me, that doesn't feel good to do, but it is effective. So I, I've picked up a little bit of that as I've matured in life. Yeah. And then the other thing that she says was the 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 version of it's better to be um, loving than right. Mm-hmm. I guess very briefly here, since you're talking about it, I'll just say like Rebecca's mom to me was basically showing me all throughout this episode that she's not an oblivious person, right? And that there is a 
certain type of, she's making choices and there's a certain type of strength to her that I don't think at first glance or that most people would say would read as strength, but I think to her it is. And so I think that she, in this very fitting moment of having lost, you know, um, the patriarch of their family, like at a funeral, she reveals a lot about herself. And I think her daughter learns a lot from it about her mom and also maybe a little bit about herself. I actually love, I love seeing women like that on screen. Um, and because I, I think that they represent those women like that that exist in real life. And it makes mm -hmm. me appreciate them more, even though like on a surface level, I don't get them. I And I'll say more about that in my themes. Okay, because I don't think she quite covers that. To be honest, I think, I understand what you're trying to go to. I don't think this actress is either written that way, to be honest, or conveys it as such. I view her as almost, to me at least, she comes across as foppish. Yeah, um, I think it's the, I think, I think that that's the risk of of a character like her. But she's not to me. She's not actually. I mean, she bad. she is to me. And and but like at the end of the day, well, you know, I thought that like a different actress, like if they had casted the British version of Edith from like Archie Bunker from mm -hmm. All in the Family, a different actress plays the, the the emotion of it plays differently. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I I like this. It's just. For me, one, we don't actually see the mother talks about when you love something, you love it for life, right? We don't see the mother mourn. And I don't know if that's just a British thing or whatever, but we don't really see them. We see Rebecca mourn her father, but we don't really see her mother mourn. So I don't buy that he loves her. So this is actually, I think, a flaw in the writing a bit. I think um, that's on purpose. Why? I, th I think it's... But because, like I said, this is not a woman who's showing. Well, I guess I just have to do the the whole thing now that I had in my um, themes. But she she's not when when she talks about putting on a face in order to best people like Rupert. When she talks about you know playing this song over and over again, that's like the lyrics of it are portraying what she wants and not what she actually has. It when she talks about yeah, your father you know cheated on me and left, but he always came back, and I didn't need him to be perfectly. Um, loyal she's speaking to all these things that are happening beneath the surface for her so she what she's doing is putting on a strong face through her whole life and she might come across as this like super vapid person but she's almost relying on her like vapidness and like kind of shallowness to hide what's happening underneath so the fact that she mm -hmm. doesn't mourn outwardly was so perfect to me like it it really made that character make sense to me okay so then i revise i agree with what you're saying i miss that because i don't think the acting is there i don't i didn't see that i didn't see that going like going on beneath the surface one but two uh that's not a healthy way to raise children uh you can't yeah. do that with kids they yeah. don't understand i i thought that too and i'm like i would bet you that even rebecca doesn't see that about her mom yeah. until they have that whole thing in the like church and then after the way that she's you know acting with Rupert and all that Rebecca needs to point out to her that like 
you never let me see you hurt. I So as a result, I was raised thinking this was okay. My family died. died. I hated both of you for years. Years because of this. Because you couldn't come to me as an adult and say, listen, I know what your father is doing. Um, this is just our relationship. You don't have to get it. No, it doesn't. Like, no, it's not perfect. No, we, we have our problems. We love each other and we love you. And Rebecca would be saved years of trauma. But her mom is not that healthy. So I think, I, I think for uh, her mom, like, it's not even as much of, it, it's not as if they had, an, like, it's this structured, open relationship, right? I mean, I think that her dad was running over the mom. I think that the mom just quietly accepted I just, I don't need you to be faithful. I need you to come home every day. And that's what he did. And that was enough for her. I don't even know if she was proud of it. And I don't even know that she would necessarily go and explain anything to Rebecca because I don't know that she could really deal with that herself. Like, 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 I I guess what I'm getting at is like, she's not an outwardly strong woman. She's not somebody who's going to stand up for herself, but she's strong in the sense that she has resolved to live her life a certain way. Like she knows herself. She knows who she is. She knows that she will take half loaves. And that's who she has determined to be. And it's the best that's available to her in a way. And the reason that I love, like, it reminds me, like, stories like that remind me of the women of earlier generations. And, like, what they actually had to go through because that's just what you did. You know, in so many ways. And I mm-hmm. think about like Rose from Fences from like August, August Wilson's play. Um, I, I, when I saw that, like I called my mom and talked about like my grandmother. And not that my grandmother and my mom went through things like this, but they went through other things where it's just like, this is what women of your day had to deal with. So I kind of see Rebecca's mom in that sense. You know, and in Fences, like Rose ends up like raising the baby of an outside affair and she does it quietly and she does it with honor but externally if you're watching this you're getting fucked over rose you're getting ran over and and so it's just that quiet it's a quiet strength and resoluteness to stay true to the things that you care about in life even though like other people aren't honoring it and a lot of times those characters do end up in like the shittier position and they do end up like screwed over um but I just feel such sympathy for them. And I feel that there are so many people out there that have gone through that, especially women of past generations, where I just look at them and I'm just like, you know what? I can't come down on you. Like everybody else has your whole fucking life. I can't. You did the best you could. And it, di- it wasn't enough, but you did something. Like you did what you could do. They just strike me in my heart. Like I just love stories like that. I just... I, I, maybe it's the acting. I, I don't know. And I, she just came across too silly to have that quiet dignity. Yeah, but that's what I liked about it. I, I like that she's. Silly I really on the hated surface. it. I, I, and like, you are not, you are not wrong here. But like, and I, to a point, I get it. Like for people back in the day, for people in our grandparents' age, I, I, I understand. I understand that behavior. To a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why it brought, like, Edith from All in the Family to mind, too, because she was being abused. Like, he was calling her all types of crazy shit, talking to her crazy. All she did was sit there and smile. Okay, Archie. Like, that's all she did. People thought she was stupid. 
but then she would have these lines where it's like no she's actually really smart and she like knows shit but she's like pretending to be stupid so she can get along with this man and continue to have what little piece of life she has like i don't know it's just there's something about those stories that really get me there's a part of me that can't accept that yeah like in our day it doesn't fly i don't know that i i would hope that in any day i would not accept that i i mean to be honest i think I, I, I casually speak of murder, but like in this case, I could see myself murdering my husband. <laughs> yeah, I would do it with poison, so they wouldn't know, and then I'd inherit all the money. Slow but, and agonizing. Um, mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean it would be it would you know it's one of those things where that's why you always see people do it with arsenic because it's pretty undetectable. All right. Well, nobody nobody do this, anyway. and um, you didn't. We're not but don't do people. arsenic. I think it stays in the soil. But the thing is, is that people rarely test for it because it's not the the, the only like the only external signal it gives is a smell of bitter almonds. And mm-hmm. fun fact, mm. I'm, Again, I'm not saying murder, murder someone with arsenic. No, but do not just say murder. do not. Yep. It does linger. <laughs> it does linger in the body. So if they if if they think you did it, they can dig you up and test you later. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. You might initially get away with it. Yeah. Or if you've been suspicious from the start, like telling people yeah. you would murder them. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't ever actually do murder because I've threatened it so many times. <laughs> people, if like literally like if someone ever accused me of murder, people would just be like, yeah, yeah, she did it. And um, I'd be like, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> but you just people- want this woman to like get real and not be... I want her to get real. Like, I don't, like, I can't, I understand what you're saying. The quiet dignity of accepting what you have to do. Oh, I don't think it's life. dignified at all. <laughs> I think. I, I, said, I, I said it's a quiet strength. It's a, it's something that she has determined to be strength. It's not my definition of strength, but it's hers. I don't think there's strength there. I think it's, I don't, I don't know. I just hate it. I hate it from top to bottom. I hate the whole thing. And I hate how quick and pert that resolution is. But um, so with Ted, there's some stuff that I want to cover with Ted still. Mm-hmm. So because there's some good meat left with him. So Dr. Sharon asked him, well, what's something you loved about your dad since you've already talked about what you hate it? Mm-hmm. And Ted tells this tear-jerking story about his dad staying up all night to read a book that Ted had neglected to read for school. And there was a big test the next day, and Ted's dad um, basically told him the story of the book while he was driving him to school the next day because, quote, he didn't want his little boy to be stressed out over some stupid, silly test. And then I'm again sitting there on my couch like, and that is the story of Ted Lasso. Like, there it is right there where he's yes. he's basically saying, like, I mean, one, somebody started cutting onions in my house. Like, it was, it got mm-hmm. me just watching him cry. Like, oh, my God. It's very good. But as I said, this whole thing with Ted's dad or Ted losing his dad was so formative for him. He tells us his dad was a chatterbox. So yeah, we that's... see where Ted gets this tendency from. And maybe not as much of a listening box as he should have been. Yep. Um, his dad could listen more, right? And so this is something that we clearly see Ted puts effort into, though not always perfectly, but he really tries to be like a good listener and somebody that pays attention to people. Um, 
And just like his dad, he'd never want his boys, in this case his team, to be stressed out like he was for that test that he was unprepared for. So he tries to help people out. Like, that's why Ted is the way that he is. Ugh. Like, it's all right there. Um, and Ted had a good daddy. And this is the point where somebody blew chili powder in my face because I my, my nose started running and sniffling and all this stuff. Because Ted says, I wish I had told him how good he was. If he had known how good he was, I don't believe he would have done what he did. But he was always gone all the time, working and with friends. Then he was gone, gone. And I knew right then and there that I wasn't going to let anybody get by me without understanding that they might be hurting inside. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Some, give this somebody go and wrap this man up and give him a hug and like what just Jesus you know and then Ted Lasso does in fact ask Dr. Sharon for a, ho a hug and Lord does he need it and um had I been there I just would have wrapped him up and just give him a good old like a Yanla hug and just like rock him back and forth like no Jesus you know heal his heart Jesus like please <laughs> because he was going through so much and um it, it, that was Ted Lasso like cracking himself on the table and opening himself up to Sharon, but to all of us. Um, yes. So did you have any thoughts about that? So I think it's a great scene. I also think coming back to themes of this episode or themes of the season, um, the reason why we see that thing with Nate, Ted has failed Nate. At the end of the season he has. And I believe he will redeem himself in season three. But and I think it's, yes, I think it's the thesis of Ted Lasso, that he can't help but help people. Yeah. Now, I think sometimes he, speaking of Nate, and like especially the thing with Jamie and Sam and all that, sometimes bites off a bit more than he can chew, and it does occasionally have negative consequences. Yeah, because nobody should be doing that. Like, you should be trying to help people in the way that you can, but the degree to which Ted almost pathologically has to help, like, he has to do it. He has to, and it comes from this, because of the guilt that he feels with his father. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's anything that I didn't mention Colin, uh Colin uh, gets confused by a woman breastfeeding a baby in the church. Oh, yeah, I did notice that. Um and Re Rebecca, like, after this moment with her mom, she gets up and she does a eulogy for her dad. And she rickrolls the whole funeral. <laughs> and she sings, I love that. I'm never going to give you ones, up. It's one of those ones that, um, I, I, it's one of those ones that, I don't they know They start, how to like, the, it. the slow sing-along, like the slow Yeah, clap. it kind of starts a little um, slow, I guess. And, then, like, by the end of it, I'm just, like, you, you, I buy into the premise. You yeah. know what I mean? So she struggles a bit and then is joined by Ted and then Keeley and then Sam and the whole church. And I moaned. I like moaned like I knew these people. It was so <laughs> cathartic. I like that Ted is Ted and Keeley wanted to join her first, obviously. Yep. Yeah, Ted starts it out because he sees her shake and then he, you know, has to step yeah. up and help like Ted Lasso does. Always. Um, another thing that I wanted to note during this scene is the different looks that were exchanged. So you had Ted coming in late, of course, and Rebecca looking at Ted. You had Sam looking at Rebecca, and you had Jamie looking at Keeley. And some of those were eye-to-eye -eye glances, and some of those were stolen glances, right? Um, so after the funeral, we see Rupert say goodbye to Rebecca. She learns a bit from her mother and gives him nothing. 
So she does the whole like act nice thing and they're so nice mm-hmm. and sweet to him and they're acting above it all and it really works. Um, so I have to ask, are Anglicans, since they're not Catholic, are they Protestants? Yeah, they're Protestant. Anyone that's not Catholic is Protestant because I think Greek Orthodox. That was the most waspy thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Like the way they pretend it. Like, oh, yeah, come to the house, Rupee. Like all that. So funny. Um, and Rupert did leave her alone. And he didn't join them for like the repass or whatever they do, whatever they call it. And he gave her back Beck's shares of Richmond. Um, however, we know that we can't completely trust Rupert, right? Because he's yeah. a snake bitch. Uh, and he goes over and he whispers something to Nate. So that's kind of where... We leave that plot point. Um, Later at Rebecca's house, Rebecca thinks she needs to break it off with Sam. And she goes looking for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jamie wants to get back with Keely. And he ends up telling her that he loves her. Sorry. (laughs) Uh I, I I love this scene. I think it's a bit much. So again, I'm pointing out as much as I love this episode, there is some seriously sloppy writing here. Um, one, I love this episode, I, but like, I love that he confesses to her. And then the second he's done, Roy comes up to her and apologizes. I'm sorry. Physically, Roy would have had to have heard that. Yeah. I wondered about that too. I just thought they were being cute because they say the same thing, like for different reasons. But Roy literally says, I love you. I'm sorry too. Just the same way that Jamie said, I love you. Sorry. <laughs> So they, it had to be in, like, proximity like that because they were being super cute. The only thing that I would ding the writing for here, I liked all the Jamie stuff because I thought that they had set up the Jamie stuff well, even from late in season one to him, like, stalking her for lunch, you know, in season two to now. I didn't like the Roy part. I thought it was too much for the episode. Like, I think... You know, if the episode's a full cup, the the Roy part makes it run over a little bit. They were trying to do too much. And I know that they need to set up this, like, love triangle that they're trying to do and, like, provide any kind of doubt that Jamie Tart could possibly get Keely back from Roy. But um, I just don't – I don't think they needed to do the Roy part where, like, Roy and Keely are faltering in this episode. I think think it made the whole episode clunky. They could have kept the Jamie part and not just done the Roy part. When we get to the end, there's themes I want to talk about because I think we've talked about this. I think I sent you a very, several very long text messages about this before we did the podcast about season two of Ted Lasso. Um, uh, but I feel like this is this episode, I think last episode, to be honest, is the first episode where the writing starts to falter. And it continues to do so to the end of the season. Because there's still excellent highs. There's still excellent bits of writing. They're still doing excellent work, clearly, with Ted. It just feels like too much. It feels like they had to squeeze it in, yeah. Yeah, instead of, like... And because it also happened so late in the season, the first time we see them having any kind of real strife... Um, Was the clingy episode. stuff. Well, yes and no. Because that that resolves, and it resolves satisfactorily, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of feels wedged in. I don't know. Like, the problem is, is that they bring up an issue and then they resolve it. They bring up an issue and then resolve it. They bring up an issue and then resolve it in their relationship. And so it's just, 
like, why do you keep bringing these things up if you resolve them immediately in the same episode? Because I think they're trying to show a pattern of issue, 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 issue. Because it, 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 they don't want to make any of these characters unlikable, right? Like, and they don't want to make it obvious. I think the reason that they're doing it, like so much of what they're writing, especially this episode, but a lot of season two, is we could take it this way or we could take it that way and we'd be completely justified either way. Like, I think that they're trying to inject some risk that Keeley might choose Jamie, but still have the audience sitting there going, no, but I'm rooting for Roy. Oh, but I can see how she might want Jamie. The thing, the problem is, is that these fights need to linger for longer than an episode for that to happen. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. Well, I think ultimately they're, I would say Roy and Keeley stay together, right? That's why they couldn't make it anything big. So like the point is the risk of Jamie is there, but not that Jamie's a real risk. Well, that's my problem. Like, why? Why are they introduced? Like, okay, let's let's go into the theme. Like, I can't. Yeah, let's keep like, going. I can't. I can't. So- I can't because, like, <laughs> this is like this is we're getting into like themes territory and like because one of my yeah yeah uh, 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 we can we can keep going. So okay, sorry. When Rebecca also, Jamie looks really good in a double breasted suit. He looks great. Who- this whole episode. I love Jamathan Tart. This whole episode. Like, good He's for you, the baby. Best. He's You're crushing growing. it. He's he's really like, and I really actually did love his confession to to Keely because she did help him. He's actively it, trying to be the best version of Jamie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's. I think to be honest, I think I I think Ted Lasso owns a bit of that. Of course, yeah, but you could give that to so many people and say that Ted Lasso yeah. deserves credit. I also think that Roy Kent deserves some credit there too. Oh yeah, totally. So when Rebecca finally finds Sam, it's because he lurches out of a closet and pulls her into it with him. And he gives her the hug that he's been wanting to give her all day. And she says, Sam, you're so kind and loving and wise, but, and oh no, he hates big butts and he cannot lie. Uh, (laughs) There's just one thing, she says, she can't get past. He could really hurt her. That's what she says. And she needs to figure out why on her own. So I thought that this was totally appropriate. I think that Rebecca does need to work on herself. Um, And it goes back to me, that line that she said to her mother, which is, you know, she's just starting to feel how wonderful being on her own can be. And I want her to develop that and discover that for herself. So how do you feel about that? I thought this was perfect, to be honest. Um, Like, well, yes and no. So I have some problems. It's just one of those things where, Sam has written a touch too well um, in this scene. He's supposed to be 21 years old. I want to say he's very emotional. He's very mature for his age with the full um, knowledge of what that implies. So, which which is not a good thing. Um, And so, like, I have a bit of a problem with how he's written. Because he's not written like a 21-year-old. And it's hard for me. But with that said, how he is written, how he is here is perfect. He's wonderful. And I think what Rebecca says is a perfectly legitimate reason to break up with someone. Like, I have in my notes, like, yes, Rebecca should go to therapy because she's been hurt. Yeah. She has a journey that she needs to go on. I have to say, I don't think this is a full breakup. I think it is a break the way that she says. Yes. And I I feel like... 
when Sam says, you know, well, there's only one thing, and that's that I'm going to continue to get more wonderful. wonderful. I think that he will. He will manage to get even oh, more wonderful will. than he's, what he is. And the cool wonderful. thing about Sam is that that level of maturity, like, is needed in order for him to be dating a 40-something fully actualized billionaire ass woman. Like, so I like the maturity on Sam. I think if Sam were actual 21-year-old level mature, I wouldn't want them to be together. Like, that's part of what makes Sam, like, the exception to, like, what would otherwise be the rule of stay away from 20-year-old somethings. <laughs> um, so my problem with that is is that calling someone more mature than they are. Oh, I just mean within the show. Yeah, just my issue is, is that that statement of being more mature than is, is what people who groom children say. Oh, let's not take it there. What I'm saying is they write Sam as wise. So if it's going to make any sense at all that he would be with an older person, he would have to be a wiser version of that age. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying let's give instructions for groomers. <laughs> I also wondered about this, uh, Rebecca's fear, because she says that why she's going for this break with Sam is that she fears that he could really hurt her. And I wonder if um, this fear is why she earlier in the episode was wanting to keep him a sneaky link rather than tell everyone like he had suggested because she's not ready to be out there publicly coupled with someone and risking, you know, the idea that, oh, it could not work out. Right. Like she had this very public divorce. It's a big deal to get out there and claim somebody publicly again. So I think that she has to go through her journey. And I want to see that for Rebecca. Um, and then the last thing I want to cover is the final Rick rolling of the episode. And Rebecca's mom, uh, like a lot of people, thought Rick Astley was black. So that was funny to me. Um, <laughs> I thought that was funny. I thought I like I like that she didn't realize that. And I loved it. Yeah. So this episode was such a roller coaster. Like what a roller coaster. They gave us so much story arc. And they, they gave us like a movie's worth of character development in 45 minutes. So I loved it. Good job to Lasso Writers. Again, this was my, I think it's, yeah, second, either my favorite or second favorite episode of season two. So let's do our segments. All right. So our first segment up is the moment that was life. Football is life. No, 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 no. What do you got? Favorite part of the episode? You know what it's going to be. I already read it out. Sassy and Rupert and the just absolute destruction she wreaks upon him nice her open hostility i loved it i loved it um for me it was ted and rebecca opening up like their little ah, that's speeches. probably the better answer uh hey, you like really what you like you know? i'm sorry watching her watching sassy savagely destroy you know rupert is just it brings light and joy into my world our next segment is Be a Goldfish, the moment that you would like to forget your least favorite moment. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. What do you got? So it's going to be two things. Um, it's going to be Beard. We didn't touch on it in the episode, but Beard yeah. and Jane. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm ding, sorry. Ding, ding, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> You are on a phone in a church. I am not the most religious person, but as I've previously mentioned, I was raised Catholic. I, like, don't oh. necessarily believe 
that you're actually like i understand that it's so rude it's so fucking rude i can't i can't even i can't even like i can you no i can't can't. even i can't even (laughs) i like literally like if i saw someone doing that especially holding up someone facetiming i like i would i would take the phone from them and smash it on the ground and to be honest and to be honest, especially if it was a funeral and the police were called, I don't think they would arrest me. Um, so my problem was not the rudeness of having the phone. My problem was the conversation. And that also. this heifer talking about she wanted to see the open casket. Like my the problem is just the classic Beard Jane problem in that this lady's a problem and I want her to get away from Beard. I want her, yeah. 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 The whole thing is a goddamn nightmare. Yeah. From top to bottom okay so what was your second one oh sorry uh, oh yeah sorry i just i can't like i will i like physically it made me physically mad (laughs) (laughs) like like i I wanted to like reach the television and like literally like so mad that i i legitimately think i could have crushed the phone in my bare hands like um the second one is just rory and keely fighting i don't like seeing them fight with that said it is legitimately the funniest Rory has ever been. We have especially the same that, too. Especially when he like walks in eating the apple. Like that's just cruel. Yeah. However, however, he does follow it up with the line of cheer up Keely, we're at a funeral. Which I can't I like that's it's because he's deflecting and he's so good at it. He's so good at it, but he's legitimately the funniest he's ever been. <laughs> like and Roy Kent is pretty funny. Like, yeah, it was a lot of conflicting emotions. Um, so we had the exact same two for Be a Goldfish. Um, okay. And then about the Keeley and Roy one, I'll just add that I know that they have to create the seed of doubt in order mm-hmm. to make the, the Jamie thing remotely threatening. But again, why? Why do you have to do this to us? Just let us be happy. Okay, guys? You can yeah, let us have intense. a couple and be happy and love our couple that we have. Like, leave us alone. All right. So. <laughs> Especially because, like, once they get together and for the first half of the season, like, they're perfect. Like, they reminded me, and this is seems very different, uh, a different show, but it reminds me. Very, I love seeing couples that get together and they're enthusiastically in love with each other. Like, it reminds me a lot of, they reminded me a lot of uh, Ben and Leslie from Parks and Rec. Mm. who they have a like a thing and then they get together and like they're just better when they're together and that's roaring and they've always just been better when they're together and so like i didn't i was never bored of them so i don't understand why they're introducing this first story baby (laughs) we still have a season to go and they're making a choice the way that i look at things is you're a writer you're a creative i want to know the story that you want to tell right which is like different from disliking something and saying alternatively another cool story could have been if you'd done it this way. That's probably true too. And they probably could have written that story. Maybe there's a reason that they're writing it their way. I'm more interested in that. We'll see. I am very, very worried about this. Yeah. I think this is, again, because this and some other things, I am. there are other things that I see in the writing that make me worried about its overall quality this being one of them especially when the conflict between them does not feel organic it feels very very um 
manufactured. Yeah. So I only push back not to uh, try to cast doubt on your position or opinion or anything. Um, I do agree that the, I guess like, uh, I'm just pointing out that the way that I critique things is more on structure as opposed to creativity. I know that a lot of people like hmm. in, this is just my opinion. I feel like most people, when they critique things, they critique things based on the creative direction. And I think that's f- totally fair as an audience person. It's just the way that my mind works and definitely as somebody who like is trying to foster my own creativity and has a lot of like empathy for like working creatives that are doing things publicly. I I give so much grace around creativity and then where I don't give grace is around structure. So the part that we agree on for this is like, for me, the Roy, the the fight with Roy felt rushed and clunky in this episode. Um, but I think that we get to like the same point, which is that like, um, we're both picking up writing failures, but for slightly different reasons. Um, so I'll just toss this out to kind of wrap up this point. Mm-hmm. Episode nine, the Beard After Dark episode, could have just been a Jamie episode, right? It or really a Roy and Keeley episode. Yeah. Something like for if they this storyline. Yeah, yeah, if they had slotted in, like, it started this kind of slow buildup. Um, yeah. Because yeah. it's there, but it's not really tightly woven throughout the season. All right, so let's get to our characters. Biscuits, or our favorite character... I brought you a little something. Oh, yeah, cookies. <laughs> or as y'all call them here, biscuits, right? Who did you have? Favorite character? Sassy. Nice. What about you? For me, it was one of Rebecca's girls, too, and that is her mom, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I just thought... Yeah, I she can't. Was, to me, she was a good mom in this episode. Um, no, she, she was she showed... the worst. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so she let... She, uh, she showed herself to her daughter. Um... In a way that I thought was like made so much sense for a funeral. It was really sweet and actually taught her something and also while being in mourning herself for her husband. So I would say like she's a unique character. I can't think of somebody like that that I've seen in a very long time where on the surface she is very vapid and unlikable, but she drops bars like every episode that we see her, she drops bars and she like lays down a theme coming from this like very vapid character's voice. It's so interesting the way they do that to me. And I, I personally like to use characters as devices like that sometimes. So maybe that's why I like it. Hmm. Okay. And then our last one is hot brown water. You know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. Huh. No, thank you. Who did you have? It's Rupert. Of course yes. it's Rupert. Of course. <laughs> it's all- Whenever Rupert shows up, it's always Rupert. Also, honorary mention to Jane. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so themes. Did you have any themes this episode? Um, grieving, growth, death. Like, it's... it's Circle of life. Yes, it's circle of life, very much so. Um, for me, it was holding on to things uh, for what they once were, or not holding on to things for the way that they once were like either one of the other. So um, on one side, we see Rebecca's mom holding on to love. Uh, She held on to Rick Astley. She held on to her whack ass husband, (laughs) Rebecca's father. She held on to the way that Rebecca's room was decorated. Even 
Um, so she's a person that likes to hold on to shit, right? Unhealthily, right? Um, and then on the other hand, we see different folks letting go of things or releasing them and not holding on to them in a way that is healthy. So Ted and Rebecca release their feelings about their fathers. Rebecca and Sam release each other, though I hope only temporarily. Uh, Rupert releases Rebecca in a way, and he releases those shares. Again, though, we can't fully trust him. And even Jamie releases the way that he feels about Keely. So that was a theme that I picked up. Hmm. All right, so that wraps up episode 10 of season two we got two more episodes to go this season is wrapping up this episode is hard for me um i think because as i've said before it contains a lot of the highs like some of the best scenes and the worst it's it's very weird yeah like i said roller coaster um i would love to like talk actually to like these writers and the creative team and like ask them a bunch of questions because um, I have so many. Um, oh, I don't know that I could do that. I don't think you should. No, <laughs> I, think, I shouldn't. I think that would be like a bad pairing. But anyway, thanks for um, recapping with me, Julia. And we'll see you next week for episode 11. And see you guys next week, too. Later days, nerds. <laughs> Bye. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and send your comments, theories, and just any general feelings you have about what we covered this week to tviuslifepod at gmail.com. And we may cover it on an upcoming episode. Thank y'all for listening. Until next time, take care of your characters and each other.